your home of the Pens and the best Pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh and iHeartRadio. Patrick Hornquist and Connor Sherry are out for at least a couple of weeks. Now Carter Rani and Tom Kuhnhockel got hurt last night. That's a lot of forwards all hurt at the same time. One thing you got to do is what Mike Sullivan did last night. You got to consolidate your top six forwards. You can't split up Sid, Gino, and Kessel over three lines. Not right now. So play Sid with Gensel and Gino with Kessel. Sullivan did that last night after the Penguins fell behind 2 0, and it worked. The other thing you got to do is call up Daniel Sprong from Wilkes. He should already be here. Horquist and Sherry are right wings. They got hurt. So why'd you call up the left wing, Aston Reese? That made no sense. It also made no sense to move Kuhnhockel from left wing to right wing and from the fourth line to the second. That's absurd. Kuhnhockel is a good fourth line guy. He's sharp on the PK. But Tom Kuhnhockel couldn't play top six in wheeling. I'm tired of hearing what the coaches don't like about Sprong. Coach him up. Make Sprong play how you want. Sprong can score. That covers for a multitude of sins. The coaches like Dominic Simone, but he sure reeked last night. Yikes. I think that young man might have reached his expiration date. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Ryan Reeves scored. I'm happy for the guy. I think Ryan Reeves has been doing exactly what's needed, and he would be in my lineup every night. I think Mike Sullivan's done a great job as Penguins coach, as evidenced by the two Stanley Cups. But he's got to be careful that he's not so impressed with the fringe guys who try hard and play the game the right way that he ignores the talented guys who can score goals. We had Sully on last week. He talked about Phil Kessel meeting him halfway on certain issues. Maybe even though he's just a rookie, he needs to get Daniel Sprong to meet him halfway on certain issues. Okay, so he's a rookie. Have him meet you three-quarters of the way. But be a bit more understanding given the guy's talent. Because Dominic Simone might play the game the right way. Tom Kuhnhockel might play the game the right way. Any number of jabronis in hockey play the game the right way. But the guys I just mentioned won't accomplish half as much in their careers as Daniel Sprong winds up doing provided he ever gets a chance. Like that brief stint he had where he got the two goals in one game but not much else, I don't call that a chance. Sid didn't seem to mind playing with him. Gensel, Sid, and Sprong. Sounds pretty good to me. It's tough to criticize Dan and Jim because they've done such great jobs, and I trust them to make the next move correctly. But they haven't been perfect. No GM, no coach is perfect. 
And I'm not sure they've handled Sprong quite right. I think they've done a great job with any number of other players. A great job. I'm not sure they've handled Daniel Sprong quite right. I know they don't like his attitude. Send him to therapy if you don't like his attitude, but let him score goals. I understand that bad attitude, and with Sprong, I don't think it's a bad attitude. I think he's just cocky. I think he has belief. You know, and that's semantics that that play out in very funny fashion in sports. The cocky guy on the fourth line has belief. The cocky guy on the first line, he's just plain cocky. We like the try-hard guys. They're allowed to have more belief than the guys who actually merit via talent having the belief. I'd say you've got to go with Gensel, Crosby, and Sprong because you've got to call two forwards up if Kuhnhockel and uh, Ronnie can't go. Now, if Kuhnhockel can go, I guess Sprong stays put, and JSD gets called up to play center and place a Ronnie. Honestly, I think JSD is probably a better hockey player than Carter Rowney. But Carter Rowney has that experience from having helped win the Stanley Cup last year. And he's a more more of a fourth-line center. Kind of fits that mold a bit better. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. What a great game last night. What a great evening for Pittsburgh hockey fans last night. Flurry. Went up five goals, but but played very well. The tribute video, his reaction, everybody's reaction was just a very special moment. I thought Mark did play very well despite letting up the five goals. Then again, I've always had the opinion if a goalie lets up more than three goals, he, he didn't give his team a good enough chance to win, so it's impossible to say that he played well. That Vegas team, Braden Holtby had a great quote about that Vegas team. Uh, about a week back after the Golden Knights won against the Capitals. Holtby said they have four second lines. That's a slight exaggeration, but only slight. Vegas has all second and third lines. They don't have a first line. For sure they don't, but they don't have a fourth line either. William Carlson got another goal last night. He's up to 28. The former fourth line center from Columbus. I don't see him as a first-line center. Has a bunch of goals. I don't see him as a first-line center. Can Vegas win playoff series? I don't know. I'm intrigued. I've doubted them at every turn. Maybe it's time for me to stop doubting them. 412-333-9930 on the number to call. Here's an interesting stat, although it kind of reflects what I hate which is the over-parsing of stats. We keep coming up with number after number after number after number till we find one that's quote-unquote amazing. But Phil Kessel is currently averaging .4 goals and .75 assists per game this season. Kessel is the first player to do that after turning 30 since Daniel Sedin did it in 2010-11. Well, Phil's ahead... No, is, is Sid ahead of Phil? Yeah, Sid has more assists than Phil because he's going on this crazy assist string. Phil only one point out of the scoring lead. And, and you know, if, if you want, here's a very peripheral reason 
to play uh, Kessel and Gino together and Sid with Gensel, that will enable them to get more points. It won't give the team the scoring balance that Sully likes. It will enable the stars to get more points. These stars, compared to all the other stars I've worked with here in Pittsburgh, they care about points less than than, than most. But uh, I'd love to see him get the scoring title, even if none of them gives a rat's ass about any of that. Uh, I'd like to see Phil get it specifically. By the way, Sid with 43 helpers, Phil Kessel with 41. 412-333-9939. I want to hear from people who cried during the furry video. Did you cry during the furry video? There's no shame in that. I mean, of course, there is shame in that. Uh, but did did you cry during the furry video? Hit me up, as the kids say. You know what? I definitely am old. I do yell at clouds. I want kids to get off my lawn and dogs, too. No regrets. When I see, like, abbreviations on on uh, on uh, Twitter, like, HMU hit me up, I usually put FFS. There, of course, there's the overuse of LOL. Everything's LOL. LOL, LOL, LOL. How many times, I wonder, when somebody types LOL, did they just really laugh out loud? I bet hardly any. 105.9 X. This is Ian Cole of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. I got to tell you, I'm a bit disappointed today. I thought after last night's flurry fest at PPG Paints Arena and the Penguins getting a 5-4 win over the number one team in the Western Conference, I thought it'd be wall-to-wall with hockey calls today. I thought this time of year would finally put hockey first, but since you're not calling about hockey, I'll just talk about the Steelers. I know you're listening because the ratings are higher than ever. I just got my biggest bonus check in my 22 glorious years on radio. Well, honestly, I didn't get it yet. They still owe me. Copier's broken. The weather's bad. I just spilled water when I was at the water cooler. And they owe me a bunch of money. But I'll get it. Damn right I'll get it. And I want to go back to Art Rooney and some of the things he said when he gathered today with some of the football media. Uh, I really laugh, LOL, when Art Rooney talks about the team being focused. Art said, I would say you don't win 13 games if you're not a focused group, unquote. And I guess at face value that makes sense, but Who'd you beat? How many backup quarterbacks? Who'd you lose to? You lost to Chicago, a terrible team, because Alejandro Villanueva decided to be a Yankee doodle dandy. So I think focus abandoned you on that day, Mr. Rooney. And then you lost to New England and Jacksonville in the regular season, both at home. So when you played a good team, you lost. And you reprised that loss to Jacksonville at home again in the playoffs. You had focus when it came to beating backup quarterbacks and bad teams. I give you that. But boy, here in Pittsburgh, old guys like me have been taught to expect a lot more. 
And that focus was definitely lacking against Jacksonville in the playoffs when you fell behind 21-0 right away. If you point at the big picture and you take it at face value, yeah, 13-3, and you must have been focused. If you look at who you lost to, where you lost to them, when you lost, and how you lost, you can definitely question the Steelers' focus. And don't tell me about the focus and then the next press plays the coach when the coach was at the head of the line when it came to losing focus, talking about New England, and the second meeting with the Patriots coming up, even before the Steelers had played New England one time. And obviously the second time never came about. Hey, if you want to be happy with 0-1 in the playoffs, you go right ahead. And I know the Steelers' attitude has always been, make the playoffs and something good might happen. I know that. This year they made the playoffs and something good did not happen. And they'll never win with this group. And next year, when the media meets with Art Rooney II, he'll say the same old crap. And you will all swallow the same old crap. And then after that, maybe a couple years after that, Ben retires. And you are buried deep inside a portageon with no escape and no air freshener. Let's go to Judd and Butler. Judd, you're on with Double M. How's it going, Mark? Great. So, yeah, uh, I was at the game last night. Uh, definitely cried during the video tribute. Oh, you're Flurry. a big baby. I am totally big baby. Um, aside from the fact that, uh, you know, it was just sort of an emotional thing with the former player. Uh, I'm a 30-year-old male in town, and it just kind of rem- reminds you that nothing is permanent. Things aren't able to stay the way you want them to. Things are going to change. Life is going to go on whether you want it to or not. So I think all if of I want something to make me cry, it's not Mark andre Flurry coming back. I try to walk a flight of steps and then take my blood pressure. Well, well, look, I I don't quite suffer. And I still don't cry, you big baby. Ah, sorry, Mark. Had to though, man. Had to. It's it's the end of an era, man. It's it's three Stanley Cups, end of an era. Part of the core is gone. Reason to cry, I thought. I don't think the era is quite over, but thank you for the call. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine is the number to call. I had a really good line about Brooklyn Chase, the local porn star, crying earlier. But I don't think anybody got it. If you heard that line and you're on Twitter, tell me you got it. Brooklyn, if you're listening, tell me you got it. It was a pretty, I mean, she got it, but that's not what I... And then you have yesterday, the Gigolo Jimmy line, not a dry seat in the house when the bottle shop girls show up. I think I'm on a roll, but I think my cleverness is way over the heads of all of you. Up next, X the Penguins, Stanley Cup winner with New Jersey, now with the NHL Network and AT&T Sportsnet, we welcome Mike Rupp. It's Mike Rupp just around the corner on 105.9. This is Phil Kessa of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden, the best hockey talk on 105.9, the X. Let's welcome now to the show a Stanley Cup winner, a former Penguin, and a real man. I bet he didn't cry last night at PPG Paints Arena. From the NHL Network, it's Mike Rupp. Rupper, what's your take on all the furry love last night? I loved it, but did you cry? Be honest. 
To be honest, no, I did not cry, but I will say I had goosebumps all over my arms and the back of my neck, so it was certainly, uh, I don't know, it was just, it, it was weird. It was really weird to experience. I'm sure you have people if, that would see it, see it on different levels, and obviously you have some people crying that we saw, but it, it, I never really experienced anything like that with a player just even getting getting a tribute in any any way, even when he retired. Like I don't know. I've never seen anything. It was it was a really, really unique situation and, and one that we might not see for a while. Well, I've been saying all day that uh it's the loudest the building ever got in Pittsburgh for a regular season game, aside from the two thousand one game when Mario Lemieux uh made his comeback. And that's a pretty fast company uh, right there. And I agree, I, I never felt the affection for the player I felt last night. It went beyond Flower being a good player and having helped win three Stanley Cups. It really is the first time at a hockey rink or any sporting event I felt the people very clearly pay tribute to the kind of man somebody was. And like you said, that is very unique. Yeah, I mean, you you sit there and you look, and I, I, I put it on. So I, I talked to Borky yesterday, and I talked to Jay Caulfield yesterday, and both of them independently said, uh, I've never seen anything like that when a player returns to a city, and, and I mean, nothing even close. And I was thinking to myself, you guys played on two pretty darn good teams where there's a lot of star power that has departed and came back, and it's and um, it, it, it's for them to say that I think it even holds a higher standard because they got to see these, um, you know, kind of a different era um, of greatness in Pittsburgh, but it, it was something that, it, yeah, I, I don't, it, it was so unique. Um, before the game started, I'm doing the pregame radio and I'm sitting there watching and walking up to uh, the area in the Coors Light Club at PPG Paints and I'm walking through there and I'm seeing flurry jerseys flurry jerseys and i mean more and more and more and they weren't all penguins ones there's a lot of vegas ones too i mean I, I i was blown away of all the people i was seeing walking by i don't know what the number was it probably wasn't this but it felt like about 30 percent of the fans i'm seeing have flurry stuff on um it was so uh well done by the pens too very classy tribute uh the whole night um i mean we saw before the game even started we started hearing the chants so um it was just it was an awesome night you were flurry's teammate here in pittsburgh rupper what made him so unique and beloved? Because no question, that love extended to the locker room as well. Yeah, I think that I think on a lot of on a lot of levels, um, you know, players don't really get the um, I don't know fans. I don't think uh, whenever players say something was difficult, they're like, "Yeah, you make blah blah blah." You're playing in the NHL. Shut up. And you got a point there to some degree, but. It's a grind, and the NHL is a grind, grind, grind all the time. Mentally, it just wears you down. And over the course of a season, there's days you're around these guys every second of every day, and there's some days you're just like, I want to wring that guy's neck. I don't want to see him today. I don't. Never with that guy had a smile on his face every day, and he made hockey fun to be around every day. And as much as you'll say, hey, hockey should be fun. You're in the NHL. It's your dream. It's not all the time. And when you have guys like Flower, you just enjoy it. You enjoy it. He's funny. He's he's. Um, there's no ill will towards him. I've never heard him say a, a slight word about anybody. And uh, the way he carried himself on, off the ice, in the community, 
just a genuine person. And uh, he was he's a guy that you could you pretty much ask anybody who's ever gotten to know him. It's he's a solid probably the one of the best human beings I ever met. And that's that's something that, you know, is, is unique. You know, not too many times you, you bring that kind of uh language out when you're speaking about somebody. How did Flurry play last night, Rupper? He made some great saves, but boy, the penguins just kept coming. Yeah, the big one the big one for me was right off the hop. We got the Sid deflection right in front all alone and I was I mean, I was almost thinking to myself, man, a Sid scores here. Like, what a punch to cut for Flower in, in his night. He made a big save. Made some big saves early on. And uh, then, you know, some of the other ones, I, um, it depends. That's just how the Pens are playing right now. They're just, when they come at you, they're coming in bunches. And, and Flower was great early on in the game. Then he was all right after that. And then he started playing again really good um, later on. So, um you know, I thought it was a, a good night. I don't know. You obviously saw him getting a little bit of emotional during the tribute. I bet that was probably a big relief after that TV timeout, the first TV timeout, to get that beyond and, and behind you to, to focus on hockey. How about Ryan Reeves getting the first Pittsburgh goal and start the comeback? Uh, Flurry was stoning Sid and Gino, and then Ryan Reeves and Ian Cole score. There's some irony there. Yeah, well, you know what, Mads, you were sitting probably 10 feet away from me last night watching this game, and the big turning point for me in the game was in the second period, Ryan Reeves comes flying in, and he runs over um, he runs over Miller, the Vegas defenseman, and from the flurry tribute to the next point where we had energy in the building, like, to a different level, was that Reeves hit, and... I just felt like the guys just started, it just created a little bit of energy, a little bit of spark. That's a perfect example of what we talk about in spark. And there's some people that don't like those kind of roles or those kind of players. But last night he did that, and then he started getting some hits. He goes in there, gets another four-checking hit. Next thing you know, Carl Hagelin has a great opportunity in front of the net because he forces a turnover. Now the guys start feeling it. They start going. I think the goal was just icing on the cake for him. I thought he played a really strong game, and that's what this team needs with Patrick Hornquist out. They need they need someone to be a lightning rod type player on the ice and to instigate and to drag guys in a, um, a battle on the ice by their collar. And I thought he did a great job of it. Well, I would play Reeves every night, and I would play Ian Cole every night as well, Rupper. Uh, Cole's played pretty good since getting back in the lineup after being scratched for three weeks. Really, He's playing so well, it makes you wonder how he got scratched in the first place. Yeah, I mean, that goal last night was big time. He comes in, I mean, even to the fact that to go back on Ryan Reeves, really nice goal, head up the whole time, fires it, sneaks it right past Flower, and then Ian Cole gets the puck. I love how he's jumping in there and sees You take what they give you. They're going to give you space. No matter who you are, you could be Ian Cole or you can be Chris Letang. They give it to you, you should take it. He jumps in, does a little pump fake. And then he takes one step and fires a short side. Yeah, I think he's been very solid, very good. Um, when you look across this this lineup, that's exactly what they need. We know that Chris Letang's season has been up and down. Um, Justin Schultz, to me, when he's when he's healthy, has been just okay. So they need other guys to kind of fill those gaps, and I think he's done a great job of it since he's been back in the lineup. We're talking to Mike Grupp. He's brought to you by Auto Palace Porsche. Uh Rupper, Gino, Sid, and Phil Kessel are all running amok right now. Why doesn't that happen more often? All three guys producing on a nightly basis. It seems like it should, but again, it doesn't. Not often. 
No, it, it, it's funny when you before before Phil got here um, in Pittsburgh. If we recall, it it was always they were always good. I mean, they're unbelievable players. They're Hall of Fame players, Sid and Gino. Um, but when one of them was out, we always knew the other one elevated and got to an all world level. And that was the kind of the, the storyline with those guys for a number of years. I don't know what the difference is now, but I was, was mentioned it to spoke with Tanger yesterday. I'm like, what, what does it feel like when the, when you have three guys like that, that are all, they're all skating downhill. They're all, you know, getting points in bunches and he's like we know we're in every single game and maybe individually for those three guys they feel hey, no one could beat us when we're like this let's keep this thing going i mean when you look at it it's pretty mind-boggling um i was thinking about the other day so you got the best player in the world Sidney crosby you've got a guy who is one point back from leading the national hockey league in points phil castle and you've got the most dominant player today as far as how hot he is, and Evgeny Malkin. And they're generally, before a couple of the injuries here, they were on all three different lines. Um, really difficult to uh, to beat a team like that. I mean, it's fun to watch right now. Well, let's stay with that, because with four forwards hurt, Hornquist, Sherry, and perhaps Ronnie and Kuhnhockel, what do the Penguins do now? You can keep calling guys up, obviously, but don't Gino and Kessel have to play together and probably Sid and Gensel, too? Probably right now, in the short term, yeah. I think that you probably stick with Kessel and Malkin together. Um, I, that's not the end game. I don't think that anybody wants, but for now, that's the, the cards you're dealt. Um, with those three guys going the way they are, uh, Patrick Hornquist is a huge loss for them. Um, all those other guys you mentioned, too, the depth that this team has had over the years is is, is huge. But when those guys are going... You might not really notice that that is being a loss right now. So it's going to really determine or lay on if those three guys continue to dominate. If they can do that and buy time for these guys to get back, um, now you get it in. You get in the right kind of lane that you want to be in as far as three of them on on all three different lines. So um, yeah, it's it, right now. It, it's hard to really assess it. How how are these guys doing in this situation? Filling in for you know Patrick Hornquist or how is you know, how's Ashton Reese looking? How's it? Um, yeah, I mean, it's okay, but these guys, I'm, the storyline's these guys. These guys are unbelievable right now. I haven't seen a team have three dominant players like that. I mean, the closest thing we've seen has happened this year as well with Pasternak, Bergeron, and, uh, and Marchand, and it's not really close to what these guys are doing. Uh, my safest conclusion from last night's game, Ropper, is those are two pretty good hockey teams. Each of them just kept coming back. And we knew Pittsburgh was going to be good this year, defending two-time champs, but I'm sold on Vegas now. I think they are far from a fluke. Oh, I agree. I agree. When I watched that team, I, was, I spoke with Gerard Gallant, the head coach, yesterday morning, and David Perron, and I said, hey, you know, and I, you know you're going to probably get a little bit of a PC answer, but I said, hey, when everybody talks about measuring sticks, and I used to always hate it as a player when you're, don't talk about, uh, you know, we're using this game as a measuring stick because that insinuates we don't know where we're at. You should know exactly where you're at. It's your team, your game. So I'm like, hey, at some point, do you guys shed the measuring stick game and just say, hey, we are one of these teams and we're going to go toe to toe with these guys? And Gerard Gallant was kind of kind of said, yeah, we got we got work to do, but you could kind of tell in his tone, a little smirk on his face, that 
yeah, we know. We know we're good. We know we can contend. They got a little bit of a swagger to their game, and they're a good hockey team. This team is not a joke at all. Or not a not a joke. Not a um, you know, it's no smoke and mirrors. Well, not a they're, fluke. I mean, yeah, they they've nah, earned no their fluke. record. And I like what Braden Holtby said uh, about a week back. He said that Vegas has four second lines. I'm not sure if it's yeah. quite that good, but I don't think they have a fourth line. I think they have a a bunch of guys who would be on any NHL team's second or third line. I agree. I agree. I mean, you've got the the contributions they're getting from all over the lineup. I mean, you could say, I mean, their best line all year has been the Riley Smith, the William Carlson, um, that line there, and you've got you throw James Neal in the mix. You got Eric Halla with 20 goals. Um, I mean, I, I don't remember if I mentioned Jonathan March or so. Uh, and then you've got you've got the, the goaltending that they've been getting. We all knew about their goaltending issues at the beginning of the year, and they all st- stepped up. Um, they're having contributions from every line, and maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a, a, that you have four second lines is that you don't rely on one. And Braden Holpe sees that firsthand in, in Washington at times. When you rely on one line, it's a, it's a matter of time. So they, you're going to go a little bit cold. And this team, if one line struggles for a game or two, the other lines are there to pick them up. So they're a, they're a real nice – I'm really interested to see what they do come trade deadline time. So do you, what do you do? Do you, do you stay the long-term course that you were going to get into – in the summer as far as keep building or do you sit there and say hey guys we got a shot here maybe we should try to do something and, and, and give us a little shot in the arm to get us over the hump i bet they try to split the difference Robert. they have three prominent unrestricted free agents neil perron and uh, garrison i i bet they do trade one yeah i would agree with that Rupper is always great stuff i'm glad you didn't cry you're a real man <laughs> well thank you <laughs> you didn't cry well you didn't cry that's uh, none of your business. That's Mike Rupp. <laughs> I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. Abby on the... Good job, but you're just screwing with me, right? The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. I'm joined now by Bob McGaughan. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, your take on the Flurry Love Fest last night. I thought that the whole presentation came through with flying colors. Uh, the video was great. Uh, the crowd was great. I loved when Sidney Crosby... Delayed going into the face-off circle after the video played to let the mil- moment be milked to maximum effect. I don't think there's one thing they could have done better. And then Mark let in five goals, so the Penguins won. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it was great, Mark. I agree with you 100% there. Um, from everybody, the Penguins, the players, the fans, you know, both TV networks bypassing that first commercial break so that both Vegas Golden Knights and the Penguins stayed with it and showed the entire thing. Uh, the video production, um, the Penguins do stuff like that very very well. And I will be totally honest with you, just like Rupper, I did have uh, some goosebumps, but I didn't tear up because I was laughing too hard. I totally forgot about Flurry fitting himself in that equipment bag and jumping out at Colby Armstrong. And when I saw that last night, I, I honestly laughed out loud, and that kind of saved me for the rest of the night until Flurry wiped the tears from his eyes. He reached up under his mask. That was a tough one, but no, I did not tear up. Well done by everybody. What if Sid would have scored like 15 seconds in well, or 30 seconds, whatever it was, to get his 400th goal? I'm not saying it would have sabotaged the moment totally, 
You wouldn't take a big bite out of it. <laughs> you wouldn't say totally. No, that would have hurt pretty bad. Um, because, you know, as Rupper and uh, you said earlier in the show, they hadn't even played the tribute yet. And all of a sudden, Sid swoops in, gets number 400, which is going to make the crowd go pretty raucous at that announcement. You know, by the time they get to Flurry and his, you know, welcome back, it's kind of like, oh, that's not exactly how we planned this party. Art Rooney spoke to the media today, the Steelers owner and uh, CEO. Uh, did anything he say surprise you very much? Yeah, Ben uh, wanting some more years after this current contract. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I believe it'll turn out that way, but okay. I don't know either. Um, but as owner of the team, you know, I'm sure that there's a genesis for that somewhere, maybe in just a an offhand conversation or something like that. Well, like I said uh, earlier, Ben's a nice bunch of guys. <laughs> I mean, he almost quit like a month ago, right? Right. And now he wants to play beyond his current contract. Don't get me wrong. I think Ben believes those things when he says those things, but I think the count on anything beyond the next year with Ben Roethlisberger would be a mistake. Yeah, uh, I was surprised when uh, Mr. Rooney said that. And the other thing, you know, there there just seems to be, I, I know he has to have his guys back, and I know he has to say, look, we have a coach who was 13-3 and three in the regular season, and we're standing behind him. He's our guy. When you get rid of a coach, you're going to have to find a better coach. There isn't one out there right now. But in that same sentence. Well, Bob, don't you think, though, that, that Art, I know he has to. He's the owner. But I thought he soft-pedaled the lack of focus by saying we went 13-3 and in the regular season. That means nothing to me. I look at who they lost to in the regular season. I look at how many backup quarterbacks they beat. I think it was a pretty weak 13-3 and if there, if there is such a thing. And uh, are we really worried about the regular season? I mean, I think Tomlin going on national TV and talking about playing the Patriots a second time before they've even played them once, I, I'm not sure if that affected what happened from there on out. I still think it's very ill-advised. I think some of the things his players said after reflected that. Right, and and like I said, you know, all of that stuff, I understand what he's, you know, he's got Mike Tomlin's back. Good. He is a good coach. But that doesn't mean that in the same sentence he can't add that there needs to be some tweaking, there needs to be some, you know, tightening you know, of things down there. You know, my my biggest problem with the way this season ended and with the recap and with Coach Tomlin talking about the season afterwards, the thing with Mike Mitchell going down the hallway and, you know, getting in the face of the Jaguars and him saying that that's not even on my radar, that's not a concern, it absolutely is a concern. You don't do that with the Steelers. You have to be focused more than that. That but, was ridiculous. Again, Rooney could say what he did and Tomlin could say what he always does. As long as this town refuses to see the Steelers for what they really are. Case in point, uh, this idiot on Twitter, I wrote a column for the trip today making fun of the Steelers for losing in the final four of the NFL.com website's uh, best touchdown celebration. And, uh, you know, I, I say the Steelers are about the show now and not the result. Right. And this guy Theodore tweets, the Penguins are 30 and 25 overall. The Steelers were 13 and 3. You do the math. Okay, Teddy, <laughs> here's some math for you. Last year, in the games that counted, the Penguins were 16 and 9. The year before that, in the games that counted, the Penguins were 16 and 8. There's a time of year when you need to win, and the Penguins do, and the Steelers don't. Yeah, and uh, for other team members coming out, and even people who are kind of closely associated with the team, like Bettis and stuff, and even players like Lev Bell, if they're saying that they're not prepared, they were not prepared for that Jacksonville game, that they weren't you know, totally 
cued in and knew what they were doing and set for the you know gravitas of that game and moving forward, then there is absolutely a problem that needs to be addressed. And whether it's by Mr. Rooney or by you know the media here or even by fans who keep putting it out there, it needs to be addressed. And finally, Bob, uh, what is your take on the Pirates jacking up the price of the tickets for when Kutch comes back? And so they saved money when they got rid of Kutch. They'll make more money when Kutch comes back. Is there not one guy in that room when these decisions are made that puts the hand up and goes, hey, hey you know what? This might not go over well, too well. A better well. way to say or it they is, don't is care, there not right? one person there that has any shame. Exactly. They just don't care. You know, the emperor has no clothes, and they're fine with that. It is all on the table right now. You know what the business plan well, is you, down there. You know, there. Bob, they've, they've done this dynamic pricing for some time. And they're not the only team that does it. My beloved Liverpool Football Club charged more depending on the opponent. But my beloved Liverpool Football Club brought in Mohamed Salah this year, Virgil van Dijk this year, have spent a lot of money to legitimately try to win. Whereas the Pirates, like I said, are profiting off selling, uh, getting rid of their best player. They profited by getting rid of him. They're profiting more by bringing him back. Uh, again, there's just an element of shame that seems to be not sorely lacking, but absolutely non-existent. And I know it's how they do business, and nobody's making the fans buy tickets. And maybe this year, more than ever, won't. Well, the biggest foul here, Mark, is uh, like you said earlier, San Francisco Giants weren't on that list last year. Right. You know, that they had their premium pricing, and there are certain games that, yeah, you're going to pay for, you know, whether the Indians come into town, St. Louis comes into town, the Reds are probably sometime on there if they're in the hunt. don't get me wrong. I don't think they should do it at all. I understand why they do. I know other teams do. But I think the price should be the same for every game. I understand why they do it. I don't have that big of a bitch doing it. I do have a bitch, though, when they add that team just for solely that reason because they know for a fact, especially after what we saw last night with Marc-Andre Fleury, you're not going to get it to that extent, but you're going to have a whole lot of people buying tickets for that series because 22 is coming back. How much time do you think elapsed? Between selling Kutch, uh, trading Kutch rather, trading Kutch to San Francisco, how much time elapsed between that and then saying, hey, you know what, we could charge more when he comes back? Zero. Zero, I guarantee you, is in the same Manoa folder. I would they had that figured before they even traded him. Absolutely. It was cause and effect. We're going to trade Kutch. What can, what, what's the effect going to be out of that? Well, we can raise prices for the S- San Francisco Giants you know, series next I year. I don't think Kutch's return will be as emotional as when Flurry returned to you. For some, it will. For the diehard... Not what I said. In general. Uh, Well, I mean, in general, that's... In general, for baseball fans. You know, it's... You see, I I just think Kutch never won. And the team was generally not very good when he was here. They love him. He's not quite as personable as Flurry, although I'm sure some people think he is. Right. It just... uh, Bob, I bet they don't even sell out the first game he's back. Uh, I disagree with you on that one. I bet they sell out all three. Not not charging three hundred a ticket, they won't. No, not they're not charging that. Much. Right. <laughs> but you get my drift. Somebody on the corner will be though if it sells out. Well, I bet they say it's sold out. I bet it falls a little bit shy. In the same Manila folder with everything else they. Although planned. you know where you know where they they're lucky though. Kutch comes back. Uh, what did I say? May right? Right. The cards of them stinking historically won't be quite on the table yet. Really? Yeah, good point. <laughs> well, Bob, you know, you know. Here's the thing, though. I always say they're going to lose a hundred, but I didn't say that now because they're not going to lose a hundred because nobody loses a hundred. 
Right. They're going to lose like 87. They might even have a slightly better record than last year. But if that's the the the, the bar you're setting, my God, that's pathetic. You know what, though? I mean, you can't say that with you know absolution because last year, remember the numbers that everybody picked? They were well under those numbers. They didn't even come close to what the, most of the people picked. In terms of they, they won more than people thought. Exactly, and win and loss. What did they lose, 87 games? They, mm, hold on. Well, I have it written in here somewhere. Well, I can look it up. Pirates year by year record. And obviously this show is going nowhere. This is the first show. You said 81. I said 79. I said they would. I said they'd go 500. Yeah. Did I really? Yeah, I have it written here. They went 75 and 87. I was right. By the way, today's the first show in quite some time I think sucks. I thought I was on a run of like a bunch of good shows in a row, but today sucks. I had too much to talk about. That was pretty good up until about 4.50. I should have saved the... I should have saved the Kutch thing for tomorrow. I should have. Between Art Rooney and Flurry, I had enough today. I should have saved the Kutch thing to tomorrow. You got Donnie Iris tomorrow. And that, in and of itself, means a great show. That's Bob McLaughlin up next. I'm going to rip a guy to shreds, and you probably won't like it, but try to see my point of view. We've got a few guys on hold. Stay on hold. It's the Mark Madden Show, 105.9.